Welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I'm your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Join the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. Let's check out some of the analytics today. we got the United States at the top of the list, as usual, followed by Nigeria, Australia, Singapore, Philippines. Nambia's on the board. Canada, United Kingdom, Norway, South Africa, Kenya, Latvia, Hungary, Germany, India, Mexico, Netherlands, Sweden, France, and Malawi. Thank you all very much for joining us from all over the world. finished uh, today, just a few minutes ago, a uh, little information for you, just finished um, our 500th television program. We have done 500, recorded 500 Christ the Healer television programs as of today. I think that's quite a milestone, uh, very important for us. Uh, amazing to see what it is that God has done through the years. I couldn't tell you how many years that is, but it's one a week. You can do the math. But uh, yeah, 500 episodes. Praise God, an, an amazing thing. Uh, and then, of course, here we are with the podcast. Uh, and my point is, I'm just so thankful for all the avenues that God has allowed us to do. And I encourage you all to be listening to the avenues that the Lord is giving to you to spread the gospel. It doesn't have to be a television program or a podcast. It could be at the gas pump. It can be at the grocery store, right? It it could be at school, kids, if you're listening, any kids listening. Uh, But here we are in a very long series of podcasts titled Doorways to Deception. This is the 21st podcast in this particular series. So if you're just joining us for the first time, I would encourage you to go back to the very first one and start there uh, as they do build one upon another. This is the longest series that we have ever done. Uh, as Holy Spirit keeps revealing things to me week after week about this very important topic, these doorways. Now, as we have noted, the devil cannot simply attack believers and get into their lives and affect them unless we allow him to do so. The Bible's very clear that Jesus gave unto us all power, all authority over the devil, which means the devil has how much power and authority then? Well, none. Well, if he has no power and he has no authority, then how is it that he seems to still be able to affect the believer's lives? That's what we've been looking into. Ephesians gives us a clue. It says, neither give place to the devil. Giving, can't take it, giving place. It says he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom, whom he made of ours. So this tells me he can't just do it. He's having to find whom. He can't do it unless we give him place to do so. He has no authority, but that which we give unto him. He is the father of lies, the deceiver of the brethren, and in that, he looks to trick you into agreeing with him in some way, thus leaving yourself open, leaving yourself open for him to come and attack you. 
So we have called these avenues, we're calling them doorways. Doorways to deception because um, if we did know, we would never allow him to do this, right? So what am I saying? The deceptions, right? He's having to trick us into allowing access into our lives. And once he gains that access, he now, he can begin to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we've set ourselves for some time to, let's just simply go back into the Bible. Let's see how it was that he was able to get into people's lives before, because here's the thing, the devil does have one thing in common with Jesus, and it is this, the devil is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No new tricks here. Let's go back. Let's discover what he did before. So we can shut it down. Let's close off these doorways. And so far, we've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? 21 weeks. Man, that's a lot. 21 weeks as of this podcast. Now, last time we were together, we started looking into the deceitfulness of riches. We're talking about money, cash, money, baby, money, money, money. We know that there's always a buzz when it comes to talking money and riches tied with ministry and Christianity. So many extremes that really most now have probably just tossed the baby out with the bathwater. Meaning, well, we just don't really talk about that because of that prosperity gospel. Are you a prosperity preacher? That's, That's what they like to call it. And so we know this to be true. So people have seen ministers like uh, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes, uh, way back in the day, how about Jim Baker, the PTL club, right? Uh, Jesse Duplantis, Joel Osteen, whoever, right, okay? I'm talking about major big-time preachers and, and whoever, but they're, they're seeing that just these high-profile ministries, uh, they definitely have amassed fortunes of multiple, uh, of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions, some of them, And so with that, now we see jets, uh, fancy cars, mansions, multiple mansions, some of them, and just some super ridiculous expensive things in their lifestyles. And well, people don't like that. And so we just say it's it's these extremes. While while the world um, can pay top company CEOs yearly bonuses of tens of millions of dollars on the backs of of their employees living week to week, we don't bat an eye for that, but let a minister make money or a Christian say, I, I'm believing for money, or, or talk about anything with prosperity or riches tied to Christianity or, or being a minister, boy, now we got us a problem. So now we have, you, you understand, we, we have to have a middle ground here as with everything else, right? There is a prosperity gospel. And I think it starts here in 3 John 1 and verse 2 that beloved I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. So make no mistake that God does want his people to prosper. And honestly, guys, just look back in the Old Testament. You're going to see that God took very, very good care of his people financially. We're talking silver and gold, precious jewels, cattle. I mean, even look at Job. God had to restore unto him, and he restored double. Now, God could have just given back, well, here you go, brother. I know you lost a cow. Here's a cow. <clears throat> God gave him double. Why? That's, that's a prosperity message right there. He wants, he takes very good care of his people. We're talking silver, gold, precious jewel, cattle, land. He wants his people to prosper. 
But there are um, some warnings that come with it that we got to watch out for, right? Money is a tool, people. It is to be used to spread the gospel, period, okay? Now, I'm not saying that you can't have some stuff, and all of you would be lying if you were to tell me you don't want to improve from where you are right now. I'm happy with my, uh, my geo storm from, you know, 80 whatever. You know, I, I like my little Honda Civic from 79. No, no, you don't. If you had an opportunity to better yourselves, you would. That T-shirt that you wore from the Van Halen concert in 79, it's wearing thin, right? You, you, can, I get it? can I get some new clothes? You'd be lying if you're not striving to just have some kind of better form of life, right? So that is prosperity, friends. But there's a warning to come. Money's a tool. And again, I'm not saying that you can't have some stuff. It's just that you cannot allow stuff to have you. But this idea that God doesn't want us to prosper, that's a lie. Because now people have allowed, what, seven top high-profile ministers to ruin it for the rest of the body of Christ? Well, let me tell you something. I'm not, you know, well, I'm not going to pay for somebody else's lifestyle if they indeed have abused this in some way. I personally, if you'd like to know, I don't think much of it, um, I don't think much of it. Um, I think it's been taken and abused at times when they get on a roll talking about it and how they're talking about gold toilet seats, which is true, by the way, particular minister with gold toilet seats. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, 19 cars and seven houses and my three jets. Well, you know, to me, and I'm saying me, I know I can use that better. And I would. Now, I, I love Jeeps. I have two of them. I have a nicer one we're building. And I've got another one I can go play in and I can't hurt it. So actually, the nice one is our business vehicle. I talked Michelle into it to become a company vehicle. But my point is, guys, just letting you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not a guy that thinks um, that you need seven houses and three jets, right? My point is, it's a tool. To be, now, if the three jets were being used to go fly others around, you know, what, I mean, right, it's a tool. That's all I'm saying, it's a tool. You can take anything and you can use it for the gospel or you could abuse it. So it's a tool to be used and, and I'm all about that. So last time we talked about how to balance that feeling of I desire to be rich. And again, don't get weird ideas when I say the word rich, okay? Because I know God doesn't want me broke and he doesn't want me to barely make it week to week. So I have to learn how to be content with where I am now, but yet still believing that God does want more for me. And so there is a healthy way to do that. And we also said to be careful that when you do find yourselves prospering, because listen, if you are doing what the Bible says to do in this area, you will find that it works. And so you will begin to prosper. And when this happens, you need to remember not to take any credit for it. And rest in it like, hey, I did this. No, be sure that you're giving God all the glory for it. He's the one who gives you, the Bible says, the power to get wealth, it says. Never forget that. But don't get comfortable and forget to still have faith, right? Because it's easy. When the answer comes, it's easy to stop praying and it's easy to stop believing because I'm standing in it now, right? So always be thankful, giving God the credit, yet still praying, still believing, And so today, along those lines, I want to talk to you about trusting an uncertain 
riches, uncertain riches. This is another way that the enemy is tricking people. And we see this to begin to unfold in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So he didn't say that riches were bad. He didn't say God didn't want us to have it. He said, don't trust it. So just as riches uh, presents one type of deceitfulness to the ones who have been struggling financially, there's another to those who are already experiencing increase in their lives. And again, I'm telling you that if you are setting yourselves to do the word in this area, increase will come to you. The Bible works, guys. I can promise you that. But with it comes this. There is a trap waiting for those who are walking in increase as well. So those, we find themselves now having what they were believing for and increases come. But now you're going to have to be watchful for arrogance and pride creeping into your life. I have seen this firsthand with somebody I know personally. This person no doubt believed God, and God has blessed this person's life through business and other things, and they're givers, and it works, and now millionaires, and wow, now it's about what I got. Pride and arrogance has set in, but let me back up, because where you might be sitting there thinking, okay, well, guess what? That's not me, because uh, I'm not rich, so I'm off the hook here. Let me define the word rich here in this verse. In the Greek, it simply means having excess beyond what your needs require. It's not an amount necessarily, as you can be rich in many things. Could be excess money beyond your current needs, but it could be much more than that. Anything beyond your current needs that that are possibly saved up or stored away that can bring you some kind of relaxing comfort to begin to sit back and trust that I have it. This is what he's talking about. The Bible calls you rich. But overall, my point on this one is, okay, I, I know somebody like this, living, working, right? Now, from a previous job that he had, I mean, great retirement sitting there. Over a million dollars, right? So uh, it's the idea markets go up, markets go down. That is an uncertain riches, trusting in money rather than trusting in God. Because I hear this person year, wow, my money's making money and it's going to be okay. And then the next year, man, the markets aren't good and I lost this. And what am I going to do? And I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Wait a minute. What about God though? Will you, will you still need God if your money doubles? Will you still need God if it cuts in half? Do we still have a God that we can trust and take care of us? So I watched this person allow the markets to control their life and their attitude and their lifestyle. People don't think they, um, people, people don't think that they have uh, given into this idea that they're trusting money more than God. They, they don't believe that. People don't, people don't think that they're doing that. But let me tell you, if their money goes away, you'll find out where they are real quick. Right? And as I mentioned, on the other hand, when they get a lot, well, I'm okay because I got. Well, I'm always okay because I have God. When people are well off, it's way easier to just go buy whatever we want. And I don't even need to trust God now, do I? I mean, I, once upon a time, I was believing God every week to pay the bills. Now I'm on vacation, right? I mean, it's so easy to slip into this. It was easier to stay focused on God when I was having to believe him weekly, right? I mean, that's, that's how it is. But now I'm good. No, these are uncertain riches, people. Beware of the deception that you have to stop trusting God to meet your needs when excess comes in. Um, 
because what if, what if what if God told you today, for instance, because this happens, what if God told you today that hey, that bonus you got from work this year, that ten grand, give it to the church? Well, Lord, I was going to use that to to meet the need and and, and answer to prayer and 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 money, and I was planning this and that. And, and could you trust God at this point to meet your needs? Let me give you this example, okay? When, when we were buying this building, the Midwest Healing Center, God told me we're gonna do it debt-free, right? This is a great example. Um, this particular woman who I know personally does not have a lot of money. Her husband passed away and left her nothing but bills. In the meantime, her children are on drugs and she's raising her three teenage grandchildren, one boy, two girls, teenagers. She's now raising her grandchildren in a home that's fallen apart and, and, and a vehicle that's running, but it's just running. It's not pretty, right? She puts a roof over these kids' heads, feeds them, right? She doesn't have riches. I mean, to look at her, you know she doesn't. Her husband didn't leave her with anything. She works. I, I, I would always see her faithful to work, provide for these children, doing her best, right? They're, they're, they're teenagers. Uh, but man, I mean, she is not rich by any stretch of the imagination. Honestly, she's living in poverty if you really look at it. And so, uh, and I'm not saying the kids weren't taken care of, but I'm talking about just getting by street, right? Okay, so I'm talking about trusting in, in uncertain riches. So this woman contacts my mother and says, hey, I heard that Donnie is believing for this building, da-da-da-da-da. I really felt like God told me to take the money that I've been stuffing away in a can in my kitchen. I have a coffee can up there. And I just have been stuffing money in it for years because I was, I was, I was thinking I was going to put a new roof on the house and, and do some improvements on the house. So I've just been stuffing money in there. I don't know how much is in there, but I know that God told me to give him every bit of it. And so I want you to know that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So this woman calls me and she says, okay, I want to meet you. Um, Saturday up at your office. This is back when I had an office. And so she says, I want to meet you. And so, okay, we'll meet. And so she rounds the corner in this van, right? You can hear it coming, squeaking, creaking. And it comes around the corner. She jumps out. The kids are in there waving. She jumps out and has this brown paper sack and hands it to me like a drug deal. I mean, she hands it to me with a smile on her face. And she says, this is my widow's might. And she hands me this bag of money and just turns around and walks off. I mean, like a drug deal, like Bam, bam, done, and jumps back in the car, and they're all waving, and the kids are waving and hanging out. They're all laughing and smiling, you know, because they know what's going on. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so cool. And so she drives off, and I go into the office, and I dump out this bag, and there is $26,000 in $100 bills. $26,000. Now, check this out. This woman needed that money. She, but she's trusting God, not uncertain riches. Listen to me. She needed that money for that roof. She needed that money for those improvements. She needed that money for those kids. She needed that money for that vehicle, okay? So I see her a year later. Somebody came and put a new roof on the house. Somebody came and built us a new front porch that fell in. And I want you to come outside. Come outside. And the kids were with her. Come outside and look at my new car that somebody bought us. Guys, this woman's rich. <laughs> She's rich. Oh, man, we found out where, Lord, but the money, I was going to, could you trust God to the point that he will meet 
your, why, why trust God when I have the money to just do it? That's the thing to watch out for because this world will take your money, people. It can happen overnight. Matthew 19, we see Jesus with the rich young ruler. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So I said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into the life, into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. This was a simple test. This young man asked, listen, he, he's asking this, right? He's, he's asked to step away from the. He had great possessions, but honestly, the possessions had him. Jesus wasn't saying, I want you poor, and then you can make it into heaven and you're going to be rich. Guys, it was a heart check. Can you trust me right now in this? Or is it going to be the riches that are going to call the shots from here on out? See, we have to check ourselves, guys. What if Jesus said this to you? Seriously, this is a heart check for all of us today. Go give it all away and come follow me. And do you trust that I can and will take care of you? Can you trust me or you trust in the riches? And so now Jesus makes the statement that people just run with. They take way out of context. Matthew 19, 23, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He's not saying rich people won't make it to heaven. He's saying exactly what we just saw take place. It's hard for people to give up their riches, their excess, their money, their possessions. It's hard for them. And in context, here's what this means. At that time, we have these great walled cities. And they're made up of several bigger gates that funnel down into smaller gates for security reasons. So big stuff can enter the outer gates, but to get into the city, these gates are for pedestrians only so they could control the coming in of people. So no masses of armies could just run in. They would get picked off at that gate if they tried to because it funnels down to maybe one or two can squeeze through the last gate. So these gates were made small for a person to walk through. These were known as the eye of the needle. A camel could go through this gate, but it would have to be totally stripped down of all of its possessions that were hanging off of it, and then it would have to get on its knees and crawl through it. It's possible, but it was difficult. Jesus was using this metaphor to make a point that if you are a rich person, it may be harder for you to walk into the things of God and inherit the kingdom. Not impossible, just more difficult because in the end, you're gonna have to be stripped of all those things because they don't matter. So the big question is, how can we know if we're doing that? If I'm trusting in uncertain riches and not in God, well, take the same test as the rich young ruler. If God asked me to sell it all, give it all away today and follow him, could I do it? I have watched this so many times. People here who are struggling horribly in finances and we need you all to pray that God blesses us with a certain job and this and that and sure enough, God answers their prayer. Now it's all living high on the hog and, and right and, and and way out beyond their means. And I'm, but I deserve it. I, I I got this big job, and, and now they're just suddenly okay. No more need to believe until about two months goes by. And oh no, we need help with groceries. 
we need help with this and that. Wait, wait, wait. What happened to believe in God all the way through? Well, you took time off from it, didn't you? Uncertain riches. Can you have it all and can you have nothing and still tell me that you believe in God? I'm talking in the area of meeting your needs. Listen, give it all away is not a requirement to follow Jesus. We see lots of rich people in the Bible for sure. Abraham, King David, Solomon, to name a few. But we have this idea that now, see, Jesus was made poor to show us that uh, we need to be, you know, we need to be poor. I always heard it this way. God will humble you, humble you and the church will keep you poor. You know, we, so what? We, we need to be poor and humble and we shouldn't have anything. These are lies. Guys, Jesus was rich in different ways. And that's what I'm trying to say today. He was rich. What would Jesus do? Hey, well, uh, we need some money. Go catch fish. Because I know it's going to be there. Why? He's not trusting in uncertain riches of the world. He's like, hey, give me what you got. Let's go. Right. How about the loaves and fishes, right? He was rich in so many ways. So many ways. And so this is what I'm trying to say today. Those others had riches because they were willing to use all of it for God. That if he said... Uh, to this and that was spend it, they jumped right away. They jumped right away. There was no budgeting out to see if they could. No, he spoke because guys, it's all his anyway. So yeah, First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your own hand, we had given to you. Did you catch that? From your own hand, we have given to you. You gave it to us anyways. We're just giving back into you what you have commanded us to give back into you. But it all came from you anyway. That's the idea. And again, it it shall, right? It's all going to come back to me because it shall as long as I'm going to obey God. So a good way to defend yourselves from this deception, and I do this, be generous. Listen, guys, I'm human like any of you, and I have lived a, a life of not, maybe not quite poverty, but really close to it for decades. I'm talking my electricity shut off many times, water shut off many times, no money in the bank, overdraft fees, uh, taxes not paid. Well, later I found out that money was being stolen from me majorly. But my point is, I didn't know that at the time. And so I, I'm just thinking for some reason it's not working. So I can work more, I can work less, I can do overtime. Uh, I had a high paying job in the oil field at one point. I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, and tons of money coming in and I was still broke. Always broke. Guys, I'm talking, I'm talking about a grown man with four children in my 40s that never had a $20 bill in his pocket. Seriously, never had a $10 bill in my pocket. I'm talking broke. Now the thief has been caught. And now I'm rich. I'm rich, not by world standards, and probably fall almost under the poverty scale based off of income and assets. But I have money now, right? I have some cash now. My water's not been shut off in three years. My electricity hasn't been shut off in three years. My bills are paid every month for the first time in, in three, you know, in these past three years. Food and gas, car, right? I'm rich. Compared to where I was, I'm a rich man. But here's the temptation and how I fight it off. I am a giver. 1 Timothy 6, 18, instruct them to be, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share with others. I have given out more money in the past three years than I ever have in my entire life. Thousands and thousands of dollars as the Lord has led me to do it. 
I pay for meals and this and that. We go out when we go out because I, I'm not going to allow this to creep back into my life. If God says pay for the meal, I pay for the meal. If God says you heard that need, go buy it, then I buy it. And as the pastor and leader of this ministry, if God says we're going to do this and we're going to do that and, and ask the people to sow into it, I'm going to sow into it. I'm doing good works and generous, and I'm not worrying about, oh, man, will I have enough? Will I have enough? No, listen, I'm willing to give it all if necessary because I am going to trust that if God asked me to, then he's going to take, I know he's going to take care of me. I know he's probably telling me to make room, make more room for what's coming. Clear that out and make some room. I won't go into great detail, but our associate pastors here, they're walking in this now. As they walked away from everything to move here and help us. They lived in Oklahoma. They walked away from everything. They had jobs that they'd been in for years, right? I mean, I'm talking about jobs they've been in for a minute. And, and, and right, they walked away from everything, family and everything. And so money was tight. And they didn't have very much at all when they came here. And along the way, some things took place in their family. And a car was coming to them. And they both had cars. So, well, of course, they're thinking, well, let's sell the old one right? We've got one coming to us uh, through some things that had happened in the family. Let's sell the old one. No, wait a minute. We could really use that money to pay off some of the things that it, I mean, because it took some money to get here. They had to buy a home. They had to totally remodel this home. And God says, wait, I know someone who needs a car. Hmm, well, what to do? What to do? We know we could pay off these debts if we sell this car. No, God said, give it. And so they did. Now, listen to me. See, this is now trusting in certain riches. God will do what he said he will do. And since then, I cannot even tell you how many financial blessings has started to roll in for this couple. I'm not talking about a little. I'm not talking about just a raise here and there. I'm talking about crazy things taking place financially for this couple. I can't even hardly keep up with what's going on in their lives. Every time I talk to them, money's come from some unforeseen place. And my point is they are walking examples of what I'm discussing today. Had nothing, barely making it week to week, moved here because God said, and they left it all behind. God, will you leave it all behind? Guys, they were living in a house. They were living in a house that they didn't have to pay for, right? Their cars are almost paid off down there. They're in their jobs. They're living their life. And now they move here and they were barely making it week to week and move here because God said, and now they were broke doing, having to move here and to buy a house and to get a loan and to fix this house. Now we got to find new jobs. What to do from broke, but totally trusting God all the way to now jobs, but still trusting, right? Still, still trusting Oh, and this and that and another from a family thing. Unexpected money coming, but still trusting God. And, and now they're still given just like when they had nothing. They gave, they had a little, they still gave, they still believed. And now they're walking into major blessing. And guys, I'm talking about just silly things coming to them. And guess what? They're generous. They're still giving. They're still believing God. And if God says give it, they don't bat an eye. They give it. Same, same. And I know, I know they're willing to give it all because uh, guess what? They kind of did. They walked away from a home that they were living in debt-free to come here. 
but it wasn't their home. So they didn't sell it and make money off of it. They just had to walk away from it. So to be clear, I want you to understand God does not measure generosity by the amounts given. Like, wow, they gave 10 grand. Well, yeah, but they have 10 million, right? So, well, oh, well, he only gave 10. Well, they only had 100 bucks. You get what I'm saying? Watch this. Mark 12. Now, Jesus sat opposite of the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich, they put in much. But then one poor widow came and she threw in two mites which make uh, a, a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and he said to them, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all of those who have been given into the treasury. For they all put in out of the abundance that they had, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. Guys, it's so easy to give out of the top, isn't it? Out of the abundance. I mean, I got some extra here anyway, but boy, what about when I got what seems like nothing? Let me try to wrap this up. I hope you understand what the point I'm trying to make today. So knowing that most of you listening today probably work or have had a job before, and I just want to tweak you a bit on this. It is... um, It is going to be difficult to avoid these deceptions concerning money if we view the purpose for work the way that the world views the purpose for work. In other words, working for a living. I'm working for a living. Ephesians 4.28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Do you see it? According to this biblical perspective, you are not to be working for a living, but rather you're working for a given. Not working so I can retire early and sit back and I can do what I want to do. No, no, no. God isn't saying that's bad, okay? To have worked in it, right? And you put in your time and you got enough so that you don't need to work anymore. Not, Not a bad thing, but it's a heart thing. Our desire to work should never be so I can have more, 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 more things I can tell you that your greatest happiness, your greatest blessing and fulfillment will come when you do what you do with the intent to be a blessing to others as God leads you to do. Now, again, don't don't get caught up in, well, God has to tell me every move, right? No, be a generous person. So now I'm working to give. I'm thanking God for this job now. I'm looking forward to going to this job. I'm okay with the overtime because praise God, I'm working to give, to be a generous person. I'm giving to my church. I'm hearing needs. I'm giving to those people. And well, sometimes I'm just giving because God is good and he's been so good to me. And I wanna just give some money to somebody because I think they're good soil. And so I'm just gonna give it to them because I'm a giver. And in the end, my main purpose to have any wealth at any level is to be sure that this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is going to come across every single ear on this planet and to those who are learning how to spread it also. My efforts are to get Jesus's name made famous all over the world again. When we have this mindset that all the resources belong to God and I will do with them as he directs me to do, the devil will no longer be able to deceive you with uncertain riches.
Friends, I'm telling you this works. I used to be so fearful about the money I didn't have. Then God would bless me, and I would be in fear about the money I did have. Watching it get spent. Such deception. Guys, it's all his. So now I can rest in the little. I can rest in the much. I'm going to put my trust in him no matter what while believing for more, yet not allowing it to call the shots. And I'm going to be willing and obedient as he says to give. I'll give it no matter the amount, no matter the current state of my financial stability. I'm trusting my God who could change everything in my life within 24 hours from now. The stock market could crash in 24 hours, right? Well, then what? Well, my God's going to have to bless me in ways I didn't even know I could be blessed within the next 24 hours as well, right? Come on, I'm sticking with him. Thank you for joining me today, the new old school podcast. That's all the time I have for today. I am your host, Don Allen. Till next time, I'm going to keep on giving. I'm going to keep on giving. You know I'm going to be out there attempting the ridiculous. Even financially, I'm going to attempt the ridiculous. And I'm going to achieve the miraculous. Thank you.